Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. The cross of Jesus Christ is the reason I'm alive. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. That's my story. That's my song. That's, that's my life. I don't know where I'd be if it weren't for Jesus. I don't know where I'd be if it weren't for his grace and his mercy. During this series, we are walking through his story. And we see every step along the way that's been his hand. It's been his work in us and through us. And that is also the story of my life. Is there anyone here, you look through all the pages of your life, and you say, it's just been God's hand, and it's been his work in my life. Come on, there's a few more of us in that in the room today. It's been God's hand working and leading and guiding you. You don't know where you'd be without Jesus. Don't, don't forget that. I want to tell you, if you don't know, you don't know where you'd be without Jesus. Uh, man, let's not forget where he saved us from and where he's brought us from. I'm glad that we could be together this morning. Look at your neighbor and tell them to get ready. Get ready. I've been praying for today. I've been fasting for today. Our pastors have been fasting for today. Our leaders have been coming because I felt it from the moments I woke up on Monday morning that God had, had a divine appointment for us today. That I'm believing for God to work in bodies and in lives, for God to restore what the enemy's taken away, for God to work in power. And I've just been praying, believing that today's going to be a day we won't soon forget. That God's going to meet us in a special way today. So get ready. When I say get ready, get ready. Not for what I have to do or what I have to say or what we sung. Get ready because I just believe the Spirit of the Lord's here and he's going to bring someone freedom today. I believe the Spirit of the Lord's here. He's going to heal marriages today. I believe today he's going to bring freedom to somebody who's been bound up a whole life. I believe he's going to heal somebody whose body's been broken, who you felt hopeless, but God's ready to do it today. Today's the day. And so let's just get ready. God has been leading us on quite a journey. And, uh, and before we get into his word, I wanted to, to just tell you, Easter's a few weeks away. Does anyone know Easter is just a few short weeks away? And here's what I'm glad about today. We don't have to wait for Easter to celebrate the resurrection. His resurrection power is at work today in every time we gather together. But something special happens when we can come together on Easter Sunday and we can celebrate the resurrection because God is bringing people to life. There's still resurrections happening every Easter. Sunday because countless people come into church buildings just like this and they leave changed because their eyes are open to see that Jesus is alive. It's not enough to know the story of Jesus or to know about Jesus. It's about knowing him personally. Does anyone know him today in that way? I want you to grab, there's a basket at the end of your pew. It's a black basket. It has some small cards in it. Would you just pick that basket up and begin to hand it down? And as you're passing it along, would you each take one of those cards? Easter, three weeks away. And I want to give a challenge to you. Because there's somebody that's going to come into our Easter services and they're going to walk in one way, maybe knowing about Jesus. They're going to leave knowing him. They're going to come in without hope, and they're going to leave with a living hope. They're going to come in here to this place on Easter Sunday at one of our three services, and they're going to enter into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, church. I know it's happening. We're believing for it, and we've been praying for it. But they're not going to come. Because I've invited them. They're not going to come because they read the sign on, on the front of our lawn. They're not going to come because they looked on our church website or saw us on Facebook. They're not going to come. They're going to come because you have invited them. Because you've reached out to them. Because they know you. They don't know me. They don't know any of our pastors. They don't know anyone uh, from, from the choir all the way through. They know you, though. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to pray that God would put names on the hearts of every single one of us, somebody that we know needs to experience the risen Savior this Easter Sunday. Somebody that needs to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This may be someone who's run far from him. And I want you to know it doesn't matter how far you run. Jesus is a heart's turn away from you. And so it might be someone in that place or someone that doesn't know the Lord yet. It could be that person that has spurned every one of your invitations to invite them to come to a church service. But we're believing differently this Easter Sunday. That people are going to move from religion into a living relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I'm believing for it. There's power in your invitation. Would you just, would you just know that today? There's power in your invitation. I'm going to say it again over here so that you hear me in the back. And up in the balcony, there's power in your invitation. And so be obedient to God. Would you commit to this? Would you pray over the next seven days that God will put three names on your heart? Three people. Not the first three people that come to your mind, but three people that you just sense God's put on your heart that you need to extend an invitation, not to a church service, not to anything like that, but for them to meet the risen Savior on Easter Sunday, that they would have an encounter with Jesus that would change their lives forever. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to pray into that over the next three weeks, and we're going to believe that God's going to open the door for those people to come and come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I said there's power in your invitation. And uh, Mandy and I have a story that has unfolded in our lives over the last couple weeks that I just have to share with you. Can I do that? Is that okay? I have the microphone, so I think it's okay. And i got these couple minutes ahead of me here. We were, uh, a few weeks back, we were standing at the bank of all places. How many of you know God can give you a divine appointment at a bank? It wasn't one where he opened the vault and poured money out or anything like that, but it was a divine appointment of a different kind. We're talking to one of the, the tellers, and this has never happened to us before. They, they say to us before we turn to leave, they said, hey, what are you guys doing today? We said, what do you, uh, we, we don't know. It was a Saturday, and Lily was with us. It's too beautiful of a day. You guys got to go out. You got to go to a park or something. We're like, okay. <laughs> and so we left. We're like, oh, okay, maybe we're going we'll to go to a park. And now Lily's heard this person say this. So we leave, Mommy, we're going to a park. Mommy, park, slides. Yeah. No, Lily, got to take a nap. So we took her home. We said, all right, after we wake up from your nap, then we're going to go to the park. So we're like, all right, great. Thank you, uh, you know, bank. You now got to sign up for the park. So we had nothing in our mind that we were going to go to a park uh, on this Saturday afternoon. But don't you know, she woke up about 4, four o'clock or so. We said, all right, we're going to the park. So we go to a park up the street from our house, not too far away. And as we get to that park, there's a bunch of kids that are playing and some different families that are there. And Lily's having a good time. And we come across this family that, um, that's playing there. And I notice their accent. It doesn't sound like it's from Jersey. It's, uh, it's more of a little bit more of a southern accent. I knew they weren't from around here. And uh, their son was just about the same age as Lily. And they're playing. And we start to make small talk with them. And, uh, and I, I remember saying to Mandy at one point, hey, keep talking. Like, keep, keep chatting with them and connecting with them. I just sensed that, um, that we should you know, enter into some conversation with them. At that time, I was wearing a shirt from Evangel that had our church logo on it. And, uh, and because of that, uh, they asked me questions. Hey, do you, do you go to that church or do you, you, know, do you, um, do you work at that church? I was like, yeah, you know, I work there. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, and, you know, I'm talking to them about it. And uh, they said, oh, wow, well, we just moved here a couple, um, couple weeks ago from Tennessee. In fact, in just a few months, I, I'm, we're all moving over to Germany for a two-year assignment with a new company. And uh, we're all alone. We don't know anyone here. And they said, we haven't found a church home. We said, well, you have now. You've got to come check out Evangel. I uh, hope you'll come on a Sunday morning. Uh, we gave them all the information we could. And they said, yeah, maybe. And then uh, Mandy exchanged contact information with, uh, with the wife who was pregnant, six months pregnant, getting ready uh, to give birth to their third child. It's going to be a girl. And uh, they started connecting. Don't you know they came to church the very next day, the very next Sunday. People out in the foyer and say, hey, um, 
Pastor Chris, someone's here. They said that you invited them to church. I was like, yes, I know who that is. Uh, and they, they enjoyed our service. They started coming on Wednesday night with their kids. Just this last Wednesday, Mandy uh, went and, and connected with her. And they were, you know, hanging out in, in the morning on Wednesday morning. And Mandy called me right after and said, Chris, you'll never believe what, what happened. You see, uh, we knew a little bit of their story, but we didn't know all of their story. They had come and they had moved into the area. And you know that that transition can be a little challenging when you don't have family and all those same support structures. You're getting ready to have a child. She said she was, she was feeling down that day, that very day, because her husband was in Germany for a couple weeks and was just coming back on that Saturday. And she had prayed either that day or the day before and said, Lord, you just got to give me a sign because this is challenging. And they go to the um, airport, and she just wants to go right home and, and not, you know, do anything for the rest of the night. And sees her husband. Her husband says, what are we doing today? You know, it's too nice of a day. we got to go to a park. I don't want to go to a park. No, let's just go to a park. Don't you know they go to the same park that we go to? This invitation is extended. They come. Uh, they're getting connected here at Evangel, being a part of our services. But it takes it one step further. Because that child that they're getting ready to have, they said that they had weeks earlier received a report from the doctor there was something seriously wrong with the baby. And they've been coming and they've been a part of our services. They've been praying. She told Mandy on Wednesday morning they went back for another visit to the doctor and the baby is completely healthy, completely fine in the womb. So praise God. We're so thankful that he's the author of life. But I want you to know there's power in your invitation. I'm, as your pastor, I feel the same way when I'm getting ready to invite someone. Like, yeah, come. Come and be a part of our service. Like, well, what are they going to think? And what this one? It doesn't matter. It's that God is there and he wants to meet people right where they are. He wants to change people right where they are. There's power in your invitation. You have no idea what God has in store for them. And so that's our prayers, that you'll just be obedient, that you'll, you'll, you'll take this challenge. You'll allow God to prompt you and for you to invite somebody to come to know Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's open our Bibles together. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 21. Someone's excited about getting into God's word. I know I am. Did anyone have fun last Sunday? So we got into God's word. I'll tell you, you know, it was, it was like the Bible came alive like never before. If you weren't here, we had some goats on the platform. And the goat is now gone. Praise God, the goat is gone. Praise God that Jesus has carried our shame and our sin away and separated as far as the east is from the west. So thankful today that Jesus was the one who went before us and who made a way for us. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that we had that opportunity. I love when we can do creative things to just allow the word to come alive. I thought that was a pretty good way to illustrate God's word is to have a live animal uh, here with us today. And, and did, you, did you enjoy that? Should we do that some more? Every now and again, would you like to see something like that again? Would you? Okay. I'm really glad you said that. So we're in Numbers chapter 21. This is a story where God releases snakes all throughout the camp of the Israelites. So if you look under your seats today, if you feel something on your leg, it's probably just your neighbor messing with you. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm really glad. Now, wouldn't you just tell someone, I'm so glad Pastor got that brilliant idea last Sunday, not this Sunday, right? I'm so glad. But we got to understand this passage of Scripture. There's this obscure story that just shows up in the middle of the book of Numbers. And Numbers is all about the children of Israel, their journey to the promised land. It's all about them going to the place that God has prepared for them. And as they're on that journey, there are these moments where the heart of the people are being revealed and where God's working and teaching and helping them to understand who he is. How God's dealing with their sin and their brokenness. And how God's redeeming them. And as we go all the way through and we say that history is truly his story. That we see 
the red thread of, of Jesus woven through the fabric of all the scriptures, we come to this one story in Numbers chapter 21. It's about five verses long, but it echoes through history. And by the time that Jesus stands before a religious leader, and he's pointing back to who he is, and he points back through the scriptures, the same scriptures we've been reading, he lands on this story. Do you know why? Because I believe it gives us a picture of the fullness of the gospel and the reality of our salvation and just how powerful it is. What we mean when we say that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, I am alive, and that his blood has not lost its power on me, that we realize today that we're a new creation in Jesus Christ. When we, when we understand today that we are alive and free and healed and delivered. When we use those words, those aren't just nice ways of talking. They are a reality about what Jesus has done on the cross for you and for me. And for us to understand the fullness of that, we must understand what happened, what took place at this moment in the middle of the wilderness. Because it's here that we can begin to see Jesus high and lifted up. So, Lord, come now and just speak to us through the power of your word, Lord God. Lord, would you have a divine appointment with us today that would change us forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. As we come to God's word here in Numbers chapter 21, the children of Israel, they're wandering through the wilderness. They just had a great victory. And yet, they still can't stop in their grumbling. And in their complaining. So let's read here in Numbers chapter 21, starting in verse 4. It says, Then they traveled, this is the children of Israel, in the wilderness, on their way to the promised land. They traveled from Mount Hor, along the route of the Red Sea, into Edom. And the people grew impatient on the way. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to understand what this word impatient along the way means. Uh, in the Hebrew, the literal translation of it would mean that their soul became short. Their fuse became short. How many of you know there are some people around you that their fuse is short, that they get impatient along the way? They became very impatient along the way. But what they did in that impatience is what this story is all about. What they did in their disappointment and in their frustration. You see, the Bible doesn't say we're not ever allowed to be angry or frustrated. But it says, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger and in those times, don't, don't lash out in the wrong ways. Don't do the wrong things. And this is what happened here. They did the wrong thing. In verse 5, it says this. They spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness where there is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food? See, what happens, they, there's, there's something that's going on in the heart of the people. God got them out of Egypt. Egypt hasn't gotten out of them. Their hearts still long to go back to Egypt. God has set them free but they can't see their freedom because something is wrong inside of them. There's a problem with sin and the hardness of their heart. I want you to know this, that the condition of your heart has everything to do with how you see things. It's how you see. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Then they can see God. But if our heart is filled with impurities, there's something wrong, something crooked, something broken inside of us. It causes us not to be able to see. That's why whenever the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened, that's why he couldn't see the miracle. When Pharaoh's heart was hardened, it affected the way he saw. And you know what happened? The people, they caught something in Egypt. It was hard heart syndrome. 
They caught that same hard heart that Pharaoh had, and they carried it with them. You know, it's, it's very possible that God could set us free, and yet we're still carrying around our baggage. We're still choosing to carry around our baggage. We're not allowing him to fully deal with some of the brokenness and some of those things before long. Yes, we're free. Yes, we're not in Egypt anymore, but we still got some of Egypt in us. And they still had some of Egypt in us, and so much that they longed to go back to it. They longed to give up their freedom for something that would lead them to death. We got people making those kinds of trades every single day. And they said, we, we, we don't want this. We don't want the bread. We don't want the water. They're just spurning all that God had done for them. And this is kind of what would happen among the people. They did this. They complained a lot in the wilderness. But this is the only time that we see a certain phrase that's used here. And every other time, God has something to say about it. God speaks, and, and Moses speaks, but this time there's nothing to be said. There's no response from God verbally. And this is what is said that's different. And this is, this is the only thing I can see between those other passages and this one. It's this one phrase here. And we detest this miserable food. That word, we detest, in the Hebrew, another a uh, good way for us to understand the weight of what they're really saying is we curse this miserable food. What they were doing is they were cursing the blessing and provision of God. The very thing that was their life, the thing that represented their life and their sustenance and was that we detest it. We curse it. It showed their hearts had so turned away from God. And they wanted to embrace not God's provision and what God had given them, which was good. But they were saying, God, what you've given me is not good enough. When our hearts aren't satisfied in God, and when we say it's not good enough, it always makes way for sin. Go all the way back to Genesis. Go all the way back to the garden. Man, you'll see the connection in just a moment. Go back to the garden. And what's being offered to them in the garden? God gave them everything. Free reign of the land. But he said, don't go near this tree. Don't look to this tree. This is enough for you. But there was one who came in the garden. What did the, what did the Bible call him? The serpent. And he slithered on through. And what was he convincing Adam and Eve of in the garden? God isn't enough for you. God is holding back from you. And I want you to know, whenever our hearts begin to turn and embrace something other than what God has provided for us, and we try to find our satisfaction in those things, it's normally leading us right there towards sin. That's it, being off the mark, missing. And sin entered into the picture at that first moment when they said, "What well, God, God's good, ready? God's good is not good enough. This is what happens when God's good is not good enough. Our hearts get broken. Our lives get broken. Sin enters the picture. Sin fractured creation. And because of that, there's now separation between God and humanity. Because of that act of sin, there's now ramifications that we still feel and experience in the world around us today. They saw and experienced in the book of Numbers this fracturing, this brokenness. Death entered the picture. I, I need you to know this. If you go back in the, the beginning and you understand God's original intent, do you realize that death was not a part of the picture? Do you realize that wasn't a part of the story? Death was a reality because of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But I'm so thankful for the rest of that verse because God has sent a gift that overcame death. But the wages of sin is death. Death is now a reality because of the curse and because of sin. And so death now enters the picture for the Israelite camp. And they see a very clear and vivid picture 
of what their sin would cost them. We go to verse 6, the very next verse. Look what happens in Numbers chapter 21, verse 6. It says, Then the Lord sent venomous or fiery, in some of your translations, snakes among them. And they bit the people, and many Israelites died. And someone at this time saying, Thank, thank you, Lord, that Pastor didn't get the brilliant idea. <sighs> thank you that the goat is gone, and no snakes have replaced him. These fiery serpents. Now, the reason why we have this word fiery that shows up in some of your translations, I believe it, when you went back into the ancient Near East, and you could see this in uh, Greek writings and other writings, that this didn't mean that these snakes were on fire, literally, um, but the adjective was more used to describe um, what they produced in their bite and in their sting. You see, there's other ones that were called in this time, the same time period, they were called thirsters. And what happens when those snakes would bite, their venom would cause this amazing and incredible insatiable thirst before it killed those that were bit. These ones, they believe that because of the name that's being used to describe the type of snake it is, that they most likely were ones that bit, and their bit created incredible burning sensations and inflammation in the skin until ultimately they died. So these are the kind of serpents that came all throughout the land, all throughout the camp. And the people began to die. And the people realized in that moment that this is a result of their sin, and now they've been bitten now. Not one was excused. Not one was held back from getting bitten. Everyone was bitten among the camp there and among the people. And they finally came to Moses, realizing it. And here's what they said. We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Will you now pray that God will take the snakes away from us? And so Moses prayed for the people. These people had a problem that was causing them death. It plagued every single one of them. And because of that, because of that bite, this is, this is truly a picture of sin, that we've been, all been bitten by sin, and the wages of sin is death, and therefore everyone among the camp of the people of God, they now had a death sentence. It was quickened for them, and before long, if, if nothing would remedy it, then they were going to perish. You and I, we need to realize that our life is just a vapor. Our life, is, our life is passing us right by. And although you may not have venom coursing through your veins like they did, we do have a very real problem with sin. It's a problem that has led every one of us to now meet that day that the wages of sin is death. And then if we die in our sin, the Bible says we're separated from God for eternity. And so what the people were looking for is they were looking for good news. Moses, will you go to God for us? Will you stand in the gap for us? Do you know what this, this word is in this term for what Moses is doing? It's called intercession. They're interceding. He's interceding. Moses is going on behalf of someone else, and he's standing before God praying. I want you to know there's power in intercessory prayer. There's power in somebody that's willing to contend for somebody else, that's willing to literally place himself in the gap and say, God, I'm standing here praying and believing, Lord, that you'd move mercifully, that you'd heal, that you'd restore. There's power in those prayers. And they said, will you go intercede for us? Will you go stand before God and pray with God that he would restore us and take these snakes away from them? Them. God could have taken every snake away, but it didn't deal with the real issue, right? It was their bite. So Moses praying the snakes would go away. God understands the real need here. It's not just that the snakes would go, but that they would live and not die, that they would be restored. And we see a picture of the gospel all the way back here in the book of Numbers. 
because God starts to do something. Back then, you're wondering, what in the world is God thinking? You go to a Jewish person today who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't follow Jesus, and they say, yeah, this is kind of obscure what God was doing. But God was painting a picture for them of not just what they could have that day, but one day, what every one of us can look to. Here's what God said to Moses. He said, I want you to make a snake and put it up on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Somebody say, look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and he put it up on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake, they looked at the bronze snake and they lived. What's happening here? Here's what God said. Those snakes, the very thing that represents sin and death and judgment, that very thing, I want you to take that now. And I want you to fix it onto a pole. And I want you to raise that pole up. And I want you to tell the people if they need their healing, if they need to live, if they want to live, the only way for them to live is to look at the one who has been raised up on the pole, what has been fixed there. And as they fix their gaze there, what they're seeing is not a sign or a symbol. They're seeing their Savior in that moment. That God will save them through that. This word here for look isn't like just glancers. Oh, you know, it's just the magic's in, in me just looking. It's like this, fix your gaze. Believing. This is the weight of what's here. Believing and trusting, fixing your gaze. Do you know when you look at someone and you don't believe them? You know that look, right? You know the look when you look at someone and you're confident that what they're saying is true. To look with faith. To look with fear, to look with trust, to look with skepticism, right? It's like look with faith, look trusting, not in the snake, but trusting in your Savior, the one I have the power to save you. Now do this. Your obedience is what will make all the difference in the world. And so they did just as God had told them to do. And it said everyone that looked, they lived. When we look to God's provision. When we look to that place, we can live. When we go through and we say, what are we talking about here? What does this have to do with the gospel? It has everything to do with the gospel. In fact, by the time we get to John's gospel, chapter 3, Jesus is engaged in a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. He's a teacher of the law. He's someone that, that knows the scriptures very well. And as Jesus is going through and he's asking him this question, like, are you the one, Jesus? Are you the guy? Jesus is explaining all this to him in John chapter 3. He gets to verse 14. And here's what Jesus said about himself. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up, that everyone who believes may enter into eternal life in him. Because God so loved the world, that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The most famous verse that I believe we have as believers, John 3, 16, the very context of that verse is this passage of Scripture. That Jesus said, just as the snake was lifted up in the wilderness, so I'm going to be lifted up. That everyone who looks to me, that everyone who believes in me, that everyone that sees me with eyes of faith, that looks to me as the one God has provided, will not die, but will live. Not just live, but have eternal life. That eternal life is an abundant life. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have what? Life, and life abundantly. Abundant life, overflowing life. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's not just that you're going to get your ticket to heaven punched. 
but your life will be transformed today. Is anyone in the house a changed life today? Come on, this isn't about us sitting back and waiting for heaven, but God's changed us today. Jesus said, this is the kind of life you could experience. We see all throughout Scripture, there are prophecies that speak of this very moment, of this lifting up, this one that would be beaten. You say, why, why a snake and why a cross? The snake was a picture of their judgment, of their sin, of the penalty of their sin. It was all of those things. What was a cross in that day? It was an, a, a, an instrument of judgment. It was an instrument of their sin, of their life being taken from them. You see, the very thing God told them to raise up, it seems so counterintuitive in that day. The very instrument that was used was a cross. That's why it was foolishness. That's why it was a stumbling block in Jesus' day because people were saying, why a cross? Why look at a cross? If you would think 2,000 years ago that there would be places of worship and the very thing that would be hanging there would be a cross, they would think that's ridiculous. That's this inhumane torture instrument. And we say, no, now it's a picture of something so much different. It's a picture of my Savior. It's a sign of what he's done for me. It's because of the cross of Jesus Christ that I am alive today. And that cross is empty. And that tomb is empty. And Jesus is alive. Why does that make so much of a difference for us today? Because it says in Isaiah 53, Surely he took up our pain and he bore all of our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. He was stricken by him and he was afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. This is a picture of what happened on the cross. It's not just that our ticket was punched to heaven, but in the same way that as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, that as Jesus is lifted up, what was purchased for you and I on Calvary is not just our future, but transformation in the present. The Bible says we're a new creation. Do you know that in Christ's work on the cross, he purchased our healing as well. He purchased our wholeness as well. He purchased our transformation. I hope you hear me today. This isn't an opinion of man. This is a reality of God's word that you and I, if we're a new creation in Christ, a part of the power of the gospel is healing and transformation that comes into lives. Wholeness, the Bible says. In fact, we see this, that as Jesus walked here on this earth, where he went, healing was a result. Where he went, deliverance was a result. Where he went, we saw broken people being made whole. But it didn't end on Calvary. It didn't end at an empty tomb. In fact, after Jesus rose from the dead and the church was born in the book of Acts, do you know what happened? Everywhere they went, what was taking place? People were being healed. People were being set free. The gospel was being preached. These signs, these wonders follow those who believe. And the Bible said this, and Jesus himself said it, greater things will you do even than I have done, because I'm going to be with the Father. Do you need to know today that a part of our inheritance in Christ is healing today, and that healing is a picture of what you and I can experience in the future, and in the same way that Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, the same way Jesus is lifted up when we see him, when we look to the cross, when we look to the work of Christ, we see that on that day our healing was purchased. 
And we've seen God work in wonder and in power. And therefore, we can come and we can pray in faith. Not just look to him, but fix our gaze on him. And we can find our healing in him. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come at this time. I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. Or write this down in your notes as you're taking notes this, uh, this morning. Last week, you were introduced to two goats. But who else? There was a person up here. And what were they? The high priest, right? We had a high priest. The Bible teaches, especially here in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, and if you commit to read this uh, this week, you're going to read there in chapter 7 and chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews. It talks about the high priest. And here's what the Bible says. That those high priests, they came and went. They lived and they died. But we have one high priest, and his name is Jesus, and he lives forever. And Jesus is now our high priest, the greater high priest, who's gone through a more perfect tabernacle, the Bible says. And it says what Jesus is able to do is what no one could ever do before. You ready for this? In Hebrews 7.25, it says, Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Did you ever, did you ever realize that before about our Savior, Jesus? I mean, last week, at the culmination of our service, I said, he is seated at the right hand, because that's what the Bible teaches us. But you know, just because he's seated in the right hand doesn't mean that the power of the gospel and the work of Christ has ended. He's still working. He's still transforming. He's still interceding, the Bible says. And his work on the cross stands as a testament to every generation that the power of Calvary hasn't run dry. The power of his blood shed for us has not ended. It's still there for us today. And the Bible says Jesus is still able to save you today. It doesn't say save partially. It doesn't mean save in the future. It says save. What's that word? Let's get that back up there. I, bet I forgot what that word is. Save partially? Completely. Do you know what completely means? It means completely. It means holy. It means completely. body, soul, spirit, every part of me. He can save me completely. What does that mean that he can save me completely? It means that because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't have to walk in bondage and brokenness in this life. It means he can save me completely today. It means today that if I'm sick in my body and I've been walking, that I can call upon the powerful name of Jesus. And a part of being saved completely is restoration and healing in my body. That today, he could save me completely and lift me up out of a pit of depression and fill my heart with joy. Again, he could save me completely. If I look to him, I can live. And I'm not talking about a live where I'm eking out this existence. I'm talking about the abundant life that Jesus has promised me and that he has purchased for me on the cross. Saved completely. Those who draw to God through him because he's there interceding for us. The same way Moses is interceding for the people, Jesus is there at the right hand of the Father. His love being lavished on his children. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This word saved completely, such an important word. I'm looking at it in the Greek on Monday morning. And as I'm looking at it, we're praying through the scripture. We look, came alive. I said, where does that word show up anywhere else in the Bible? This word in the Greek, where does this show up anywhere else? Don't you know, it shows up in Luke chapter 13. Got to look at Luke chapter 13 now. I say, come on, pastor, I thought you were done. Got to go to Luke chapter 13. 
In Luke chapter 13, it's a Sabbath. It's a day of rest when no one should be working. But there's a healing. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus is healing 24-7? He heals. He heals all the time because he is good. He's there and he's working. And there's a woman that's been walking for 18 years, the Bible said. She has been crippled by a spirit for 18 years, it says in verse 12. And she couldn't straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called out to her and he called her forward. And here's what he said to her. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. You are set free. And he put his hands on her and immediately, you ready for this? She straightened up and praised God. You want to know what that word is? And immediately she straightened up. Immediately she was saved completely and restored in her body. It's the same word that's used here in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, that he is able to save completely. Oh, but didn't Jesus know she'd been suffering for 18 years? Didn't Jesus know she'd probably been praying every day that he lifted up? Didn't matter any of those other days. What mattered is in that moment, Jesus spoke a word of healing to her, touched her, and in his powerful name, she was saved completely, healed and restored completely. Some of you, here's what's happened. You're just like her. You, whatever has been on your back has weighed you down so much that your, your perspective has changed. This is all you could see now. This is all you could see, and you're just here, and this is just it. This is just my lot. This is just what I'm going to have to carry. This is just a thorn. This is just whatever, and you're walking through this life, and here's what I want you to know today, that I know a healer, and his name is Jesus. He's my Savior, and today, in the name and the power of Jesus, he can save you completely. He can save you and restore you completely. And so today, don't keep your eyes just fixed on those things. Say, this is just the way it's going to be because in a moment. Here's what it is. I don't understand his timing, but I trust his timing. I don't need to understand it to trust it. I don't understand how he works. I just know that he works. I don't understand how he heals, when he heals, why. I just know he is my healer. And he heals and today I'm believing. I've been fasting. Our leaders have been fasting. We've been praying because we believe that the Spirit of God is going to move in this house today and that He's going to heal and He's going to restore. He's going to set free. He's going to do His good work among His people today. So what we're going to do today is we're going to respond in faith. We're going to respond in eyes of faith. We're going to keep our eyes fixed, our gaze fixed on Jesus. And today our leaders are going to be gathered here all along the front. Our pastors, our deacons, our elders, our altar workers. We're going to be here. We're going to be here to anoint with oil and to pray. And we're believing that freedom is going to reign in this house today. We're believing that healing is going to flow in this house today. We're believing that today as we fix our gaze on Jesus, that he's going to do his good work among us. I want to give you a word of caution and I want I want the, those leaders, those altar workers, those deacons, those elders, pastors and staff, would you just come forward and begin to stand in the front and would you begin to intercede right now for those that are about to respond to God's word today. I want to give you a word of caution because then you go and you, you, you see that this bronze serpent, this bronze serpent shows up again in scripture. I don't know if you know this. In 2 Kings, in 2 Kings chapter 18, King Hezekiah comes to power, and the Bible says this in verses 3 through 5. It said he had to go into the place of worship, and he had to rid it of all the things. He had to remove all the high places and all the idols so the people could truly worship God again. And here's what it says. It says that he broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses set up in the wilderness. Because up until that time, the Israelites were burning incense to it. And there's a warning here today. Here's the warning. 
that it's so easy to get our eyes off of our provider and onto the provision. It's so easy for us to look for our healing so intently and keep our eyes fixed on that that we miss the healer. And I want you to know something today. Whatever it is, maybe your eyes, your gaze has been fixed on the wrong thing. I want you to lift your eyes again to Jesus. He is our healer. Don't look at the person who will stand in front of you and pray. You look at Jesus. Look to him. Trust him. Look with eyes of faith, believing that not only can he do it, it's his good pleasure to do it. It's a part of who he is. He is our healer. There are people in our sanctuary today that are standing living proof that Jesus heals. Where's Hans at? I saw you over here. Stand to your feet, Hans. 35 years, he had seizures in his body. He walked into this room 10 years ago, and God set him free. Not one seizure since then. 10 years. Come on. Jesus is our healer. Last year, there's somebody those worshiping from their home, our sister Iris could go on the mission field. Doc said, you can't stand, but in the place of worship, worshiping online. Come on, somebody online, I'm believing God's going to heal you today right where you are. She's worshiping God and dancing on her feet. God set her free and healed her. Jesus is our healer. So now let's everyone here all around this room stand to your feet. And I want you to begin to lift up your heart of faith in this time, knowing that God is our healer. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to release you to begin to come forward. And as you do, we have leaders all across the front. We're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for your healing, your physical healing, your emotional healing. We're going to pray for freedom to reign in your body. We're going to pray for reconciliation to take place, for God to move and his power to meet you in a way that would change you forever. So Jesus, would you come now? Lord God, you are our healer. You are our redeemer, Lord God. You are our all in all, Lord. We ask you today, Lord, we lift you up and we'd ask you now, draw all men to yourself. And as we fix our gaze on you, Lord God, would we experience, Lord God, the fullness of what you have for us, Lord God. Lord, hold nothing back, Lord God. Lord, I pray for those, Lord, who are suffering, Lord God. Lord, they have cancer in their bodies. Lord, they have things they're carrying with or some that have become so hopeless today, Lord God. Set them free in your presence, we pray, Jesus, in your mighty and matchless name. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.